Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and today on the show, I sit down with Ralph Velasco, who has been traveling for many years, has started two different businesses and brands within the travel industry, and he is here to talk to us about how he got started traveling the world full-time while making an income off of travel. So Ralph, as I mentioned, has been traveling for more than 14 years, and he is a location-independent travel photographer, author, and international tour organizer. Over the 14 years, he's organized and led more than 120 international multi-week tours on six different continents with more than 1,000 clients under both of his photo enrichment adventures and a la campagna experiences travel bands. Ralph is a travel photography instructor and a busy public speaker, having spoken at 12 years running for the travel and adventure shows around the US, as well as the Travel Blogger Exchange in Spain, Sweden, Ireland, and Israel. After this episode, be sure to check out his YouTube channel, The Continental Drifter, where he shares his experiences around the world, offering valuable travel and photography tips that absolutely anyone can use. Ralph, thank you for being on the show today. Hey, Nicole, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's just dive in. I know that you have a lot to share today. Um, So why don't we start with talking about how you broke the code for creating a full-time living and a lifestyle where you travel around the world. Yeah, so it starts way back uh, when in uh, high school, when I first studied in Spain for a summer. The next year, I was a volunteer in Peru. The next summer, I was a volunteer in Venezuela. And the following summer, I was uh, a student in Mexico City. So I started traveling at quite a young age. Always uh, had it in my mind that I'd love to learn, you know, figure out how to make a living from travel and photography. But uh, this was many, many moons ago. Uh, And so uh, this was before the internet, before uh, cell phones. And, you know, you actually had to... uh, call away for brochures and things like that. But uh, I, you know, thought that becoming uh, or being, I thought that being able to make a living from travel was about as likely as my becoming a rock star at that time. Of course, today, it's so much easier because we've got social media and the internet and so many ways to share what we're doing with each other and to be able to uh, advertise and just get the word out about what we do. And so I, as you mentioned, I started uh, doing this full time about 14 years ago. And at the time, the um, 2001 to 2004, I had my second restaurant in Chicago. And I opened it uh, just a few months before 9-11. And so I was in the heart of Chicago. And so everyone kind of thought that maybe Chicago would be next big city. And so business was not great, but uh, I ended up being okay. I introduced catering into it. And so that that helped me survive. But at the end of my three-year lease, I had to decide, was I going to uh, sign for another five-year lease and commit myself to doing that for five more years, or was I going to make a change? And so I, I always tell the story about I uh, took a, a legal pad 
And on the left side, I wrote the cons of what I was doing. Um, I had a $5,000 a month rent. I had employees. Uh, I came home from work smelling like a French fry every night. Um, you know, so I, on the right side of that page, I said, what are the, you know, what's the opposite of that? What are the opposite of those things? Well, I want to work by myself, for myself, be only responsible for myself, uh, work from anywhere my laptop is, uh, take a shower before work, not after, and you know, all these other things. And so I kind of, uh, this was at the dawn of digital photography, you know, I, I mentioned 2001 to 2004 or so. And so I got my one megapixel camera, like a lot of people did. And I said, you know, maybe people would uh, pay me to learn how to use these new digital devices. And so I started thinking about putting together some walking tours and, um, you know, doing one-on-ones with people to help them to learn these new digital cameras. And uh, I was in Chicago at the time and I said, you know, maybe this isn't the best place to, to do this because, you know, because of the weather, which gets uh, overplayed a bit, but uh it's, uh, you know, probably the season's maybe six months instead of 12 months. So a friend of mine said, he, he was a financial advisor out in California, and he said, why don't you come out and uh, why don't you get your financial licenses, come out, work for me, and you'll be in Southern California. And then at night, and I figured at nights and on weekends, I could offer, the, offer these uh, tours and classes and things like that. So I started teaching. Um, eventually at the city of Newport Beach, adult education program, University of California uh, uh, extension program, and, and things like that, where I didn't need a teaching degree, but I could still uh, teach people about photography. And so uh, that I did, like I said, on nights and weekends, doing one-on-ones with people sitting across the kitchen table from them, teaching them about their cameras, taking them out into the local neighborhood, which in Southern California was beautiful, and showing them how to use uh, their their cameras and you know being able to take have them take a picture and say, well, this is good, this could be better kind of thing. So make a long story longer, um, in September of 2008, we all remember the financial crisis. And here I am a newbie financial advisor. And so um, it actually was the best thing that ever happened to me was the financial crisis, because uh, the next day I went full time doing uh, photography instruction and starting little by little to create uh, local tours and then uh, in Southern California. And then I would bring groups. My, I think my first overnight trip was to Joshua Tree National Park. Then we went to Death Valley. Then I started bringing groups back to Chicago because I was looking for a free ride back to Chicago. And and I love to introduce people to to this, this wonderful city that uh, not a lot of people in Southern California had even been to, which was kind of surprising. And so um, that that worked really well. And that was one of my most popular trips, actually. And uh, finally, I started doing international trips, and that took me to uh, our first international trip was to the Central European Christmas markets, and that was in 2009. And I kind of haven't looked back since. I burned the bridges, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to uh, really pursue this thing, not have any back, you know, backstop, and go for it. And so it, it's worked out. 
Wow, that is quite some journey. Thank you for sharing that. I am very curious within everything that you just shared, what were some of the challenges or struggles that you faced in knowing that you wanted to start a business or multiple businesses without the internet being very prevalent? I know it was probably very different. So what were some of the challenges or struggles that you faced within knowing that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, but not having something that is pretty disposable to most businesses nowadays? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously, we, I didn't know I didn't have the internet. And so, uh, and I'd always been an, a, uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, when I graduated college, I went to Indiana University. First thing I did was buy my first restaurant and uh, ran that for several years. And before I just to get back to travel a little bit before I um, when I when I sold that, I said, before I get back into anything else, I'm going to do a round the world trip. And so I spent five months on five continents going to something like 15 different countries by myself when I was 24. And again, that's before the Internet and everything. So, you know, it was kind of a real old school kind of research and stuff. But uh, eventually we got to to the Internet, of course. And uh, but before social media is also very important because, you know, we had the Internet from what, about 93 to, say, 2005. And then social media didn't really happen until about 2005, six, seven, I suppose. And so learning all these new, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all these Instagram, eventually, uh, finally YouTube. And uh, so it, it was a struggle. But like I said, you, you didn't know that you didn't have these things before they you know, presented themselves. So I did whatever I could. I, I got in front of people anywhere I could that were travelers, had an interest in photography. And there were a couple other people teaching how to use the actual camera and uh so I, I we you may get these like quarterly local um adult education brochures in the mail everyone seems to get them in, in every neighborhood and so i was looking through that and i saw there's guys teaching about the camera which i just mentioned that i was doing that but they weren't going to take another photographer on to teach the camera someone was already doing that so i said you know what i'm going to teach people how to see how to uh actually compose pictures and see and uh recognize better and more photo opportunities so let someone else teach the technical part which i'm not that technical myself anyway but i'm going to teach them you know how to look at a scene and pick out different photo opportunities and that worked really well for me so I would get in front of one person three people or 200 people whatever uh, but it was just about constantly hustling and and being in front of people that I thought you know would eventually maybe come on trips or pay me to to do one-on-ones with them hmm. really interesting thank you for sharing that um I think that really embodies the true entrepreneurial spirit, um, which I absolutely love. So in saying that, I know that you have built two businesses and brands, being the Photo Enrichment Adventures and then also a la Campana Experiences. I hope that is correct. Is that correct? No, <laughs> it's <laughs> a la Campania. A la Campania Experiences, which Campania is actually my mother's maiden name, uh, uh, but it but it also a la Campania means to the countryside, That's and perfect. so That's that so was fitting. a little bit 
different kind of brand. Yeah. Okay. So you've built both of these brands. Now, why did you decide to create these? Um, and then what is the difference between the two of them? Sure. So uh, Photo Enrichment Adventures was my first brand and the original one. And there, um, I used to teach a course uh, that would teach people how to organize and lead their own tours. And I always recommended that you should uh, start with a special interest. So whether it's language or yoga or photography, whatever, uh, that's going to attract those people to that trip. And so I started out with photography and I had always you know, had a dream of leading photo workshops. So that was, that was the sort of catchphrase, I suppose, and, and maybe still is. But after I uh, you know, looked into what that is more and, and had ran a few trips that um, I would consider photo workshops, it's a lot, of, a lot of work to do that, say, 10 or 12 trips a year because your sunrise, sunsets, one-on-ones, uh, image reviews, it's, it's pretty intense. And so I decided early on that I didn't want to be a workshop instructor. I called my trips, uh, cultural tours with a focus on photography. And so photography is was and still is just a part of our trips. So I kind of shot myself in the foot with that name, because um, I've I get a lot of people, friends, families say, oh, man, I'd love to come on one of your trips, but I'm not a photographer. I don't have an expensive camera, et cetera, et cetera. And I keep saying, you don't have to have any camera at all to come on my trips. I created them so that uh, someone that had an interest in photography could bring a friend or a spouse that didn't have an interest, and they would still both get a really great trip. Because who doesn't want to be out when the sun is at its best so low in the sky beautiful light uh, before the heat of the day before the tourist crowds uh, things like that uh, whether or not you've got a camera and a photo workshop to me is you know spending an hour taking a picture of a single flower or something and uh, even i don't want to do that and certainly a non-photographer doesn't want to follow behind 10 people doing that so um, I think I created a really nice sort of hybrid. And, uh, but I, I still am sort of trying to live down that name. So don't feel like you have to be a photographer to come on these photo enrichment adventures. But the photo enrichment adventures themselves are trips where we see uh, more of a, a region or a single country and move around every two, three nights and again, see more of a place, uh, see uh, less of more of a place, if that makes sense. So uh, we're seeing a little bit of a lot of things. And so I decided to create the a la Campania experiences, partially at the request of some of my clients who said, we love your trips, but we don't want to have to pack and pack, pack and unpack so much. Uh, you know, there's a lot of driving on some of these trips in between locations, We'd rather do a deep dive into a place than to uh, just see a little bit of a lot. And so the a la Campania experiences, we stay in one, maybe two locations, pack and unpack once, maybe twice. The properties themselves are destinations. And uh, another thing I found is that people, when we travel, they, the last thing they want to do is stay at the hotel. 
You know, they want to get out and see things and do things, which makes sense. But what if the hotel is an 11th century castle that's like a museum and has 270 acres of grounds with walking trails and gardens and a billion photo ops right there? You may not want to leave all the time, a swimming pool, you know, little game room, things like that. Uh, what if it's a, an incredible wine estate in the Dodo Valley? And, you know, just sitting with a glass of wine on the, you know, the edge of the, the valley there on the hotel's patio. I, I mean, you, who wants to leave that necessarily? So now we always have little day trips, but they're only, you know, 15, 30 minutes away from the property instead of eight hours between Shafshawan and, and uh, Mersuga or Fez or something in, uh, you know, in Morocco. So it's a different type of trip and uh, there it's it's less about photography but uh more about the culture the food the wine olive oil tasting let's see how they make the local cheese uh walnut you know uh we do a, a caviar tasting in the dordogne region of france so really cool experiences like that, meeting local artisans and artists that do different things or sculptors, things like that, cooking classes. So um, those are uh, the kinds of, that's the difference between the two. And so uh, both have been really successful. And, um, but the Alicampani experiences, I started like in 2019. So just before the uh, pandemic. And so, of course, we all got hit pretty hard in the face with that. So um, little by little, everything's coming back, people are starting to get back to travel, it's becoming easier, there's not so many forms to fill out, uh, you know, having to wear masks and testing and stuff like that. So little by little, it's coming back. So that's the difference between the two. Wow, those sound amazing. I'm like, I'm sold. These tours sound great. But I really like how you realized that you had one brand and one company already built, but you realized that there was a need for something similar, but for a different demographic of people who wanted something different. And I think that's really important when have be having a business owner and running your own business is that you have to know how and when to pivot. Um, and sometimes that can really be very detrimental to your business, or it can mean a lot of success for your business. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the term pivot really never came about until the pandemic. I feel I, I, I'd never really heard that term, uh, with regards to, you know, kind of changing up your business a little bit, because, you know, for the most part, we kind of didn't have to that much. But uh, yeah, pivoting was really important. And, uh, and I feel that the, especially the Ala Campania experiences are even, they, they were made for like a post pandemic world because you're, you're not moving around so much. You're not sitting in vehicles with, uh, you know, 10 or 12 other people for eight hour drives and things like that. It's a lot more uh, walking and being outdoors and fresh air and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. That sounds truly amazing. So 
having run these for quite some time and having two different businesses in tourism, what are some challenges that you face? And I'm sure there have been many roadblocks and challenges. It's not easy to set up a tour and bring people from one country or many over into another and kind of host them and guide them for X amount of days. So what are some challenges you've had, whether it may be in the business aspect of things or in the actual on the ground traveling, being with the guests side of things? Yeah, one thing that happened early on was I wanted to create a trip to Spain. I'd been to Spain many times before. I told you I studied there when I was 15. I'd been back many times since then. And I wanted to put a trip together because it's one of my favorite countries. And so I knew exactly where I wanted to go, Madrid, Segovia, Toledo, and Barcelona. And I knew what I wanted to do, so I... I had an assistant at the time and um, we were going to put this trip together and we were going to, you know, find the hotels, the guides, the restaurants, transportation, things like that. But we ended up having to contact, I figured out 32 different vendors for all those things. And that's assuming that we only had to speak to one hotel in each place, but of course you have to go through two or three. So, um, I call that the, the pain in Spain because it was such a hassle. And, um, you know, I'm a, I was a fairly new company at the time, probably only two or three years old. So I had to explain myself every time who I was and why they should work with me, why they should, you know, hold these rooms for me. Uh, but I didn't have much of a history and uh, had to do that with 32 vendors. And so... I said, this is ridiculous. Um, we need to, I, I need to make a contact in the destination, tell them exactly what I'm looking for and let them tell me which hotels they've already got the guides. They know the transportation. They know when there's holidays on certain dates that, you know, Hey Ralph, you can't do it this time because it's Easter and everything's expensive or crowded or sold out. So um, I decided that uh, so the one of the big breakthroughs for my business was working with a single tour operator in the destination that knew all these vendors. As long as I told them what type of hotels I wanted, restaurants, activities, experiences, guides, et cetera, they, you know, could piece that puzzle together uh, for and with me. So that was a big breakthrough and a challenge at first, but I'm glad I got over that very early on. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely something that you would learn in the very beginning. And then you learn not to make that mistake going forward, because that can almost be such a hassle. You think, is this truly going to be worth it with maybe like a year full of planning before the actual week or month long trip? Exactly. So you also have a YouTube channel, which is very fun. When I checked it out, I love all of the adventures that you have on there. I think you have one titled Get Paid to Drink Beer in Cambodia. And so it's just such a great showcase of all of the adventures that you have been on. So tell us a little bit more about this YouTube channel and how that came about. Sure. Um, I had been wanting to do a YouTube channel for quite a while, probably 10 or 12 years, actually. But uh, I never had the time uh, to kind of 
look into it, to figure out how it worked. I was busy leading these trips. And, you know, when I'm on a trip, it's very difficult to do much else than to be with my people and, you know, support them. Um, I, my trips are all about a half day scheduled half day free time. So during the free time, I'm doing other work. I'm planning the five trips that are coming up or, you know, doing follow up and things like that. So I didn't have a lot of free time, but over the years I had been uh, getting little video snippets here and there. I'd ask someone to, you know, Hey, you know, get a shot of me here. I'm going to give this tip or whatever. And, um, so I knew that at some point I was probably going to be able to use those. So finally, that that was one of the good things about the pandemic is it gave me that time to actually put this together because it's a lot of work. Uh, as you know, with podcasting, uh, YouTube channel, uh, you know, you're doing video editing. There's so much behind the scenes that people don't realize in a YouTube channel with tagging and keywords and descriptions and thumbnails and all that stuff. So um, I finally uh, put together a small team. I had a, uh, my editor lives in, he's Venezuelan, lives in Spain. Uh, my channel manager, original one, uh, lived in Alexandria, Egypt. I just got a new guy that works uh, lives in Bangladesh. So we're truly a, a continental drifting channel. Uh, but, um, you know, it took a while, but finally got to a point where I could put that together. I uh, bought a, I said, if I'm going to make this happen, I've got to make it easy for myself, especially when I'm on trips. Because, uh, so what I did is I bought a, a DJI gimbal that allows me to put my iPhone in it. And so I didn't have to bring a, another video camera and to try to do photography and video at the same time is virtually impossible because they're very two, they're two very different mindsets. And so I found I had trouble, you know, taking a couple pictures here and then having to think like a videographer there. And so um, I knew I had to make it simple, which I did. And so over the last two years, I've gotten quite a bit of footage around the world. And plus, I was able to, you know, draw from the footage I'd been getting little by little over the years. And so I've had a really fun time putting this together. And I love to share and teach, whether it's photography tips, travel tips, uh, destination guides, uh, sharing the experiences that I've had, Um you know, making people a little bit jealous, I suppose, you know, seeing me in these amazing places, but the idea is to get them inspired to either go on their own to these places or come with me on a trip. But, you know, anyone can do this. And so I think, uh, especially people from the US, uh, you know, we don't, I want to say it's something like 30 or 35% of people have passports, um, some ridiculously low number. And so, and we live in such a varied country that there's a lot to see here, you know, from deserts to mountains to beaches, whatever you want, we kind of have it. But um, I'm more interested in the international and introducing people to different cultures and languages and foods and money systems and, you know, all those traditions. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, what I do with the channel. So the, the channel is, uh, it's geared towards uh, baby boomer and Gen X travelers. Uh, people are a little bit older, but uh, that are 
likely to, you know, look for tours like mine. You know, when I was younger, I was traveling on my own and, you know, I wasn't going to go on a tour, but as you get older and, you know, you have less time to do all the planning. It's funny. Uh, just the other night, uh, my sister and my cousin were over and they wanted to get some information about Rome because they're going and, you know, my cousin had all these spreadsheets and links and things that she had researched and, and I'm sitting there trying to help them. And some of our friends were too. And I, it dawned on me. So I said, you guys, wait a minute. This is exactly why people come on my trips. And I said, you know, you're right. Because they were just, you know, going back and forth. Should we do this? When should we do this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and like, I've got all that figured out for you. Plus you have a half day free time to go do other things. And they're like, you are absolutely right. So that, it was funny how that kind of just hit me over the head. I'm like, this is exactly why people come on my trips. <laughs> yeah. And what a great, what a great mission too, to really give people back their time, not only when they're on the trip, because they really get to do and see everything or the most important things in that region, but also the pre-planning aspect can sometimes take, or maybe a lot of the time take longer than the actual trip itself and what oh, you're doing sure. on the trip <laughs> oh yeah i i think i figured when i was you know doing more planning it's like three to one you know you spend three hours for every hour on the trip you know and um so it, it's it's so fun to be able to do that and to, and when you travel uh, you know a lot of people they're maybe a little bit intimidated to go down that alley or to knock on that door to peek around that corner. And I've done all those things. I've gotten, I, I've met that violin maker who's, you know, got a shop that's 150 years old or uh, whatever. And those are the experiences more than anything else that my clients tell me after that, you know, when we met that man that makes the flamenco guitars in Madrid, that was unbelievable. I never would have found that guy, you know? And so those are the things that, that we do. And that when I go on a scouting trip, I always scout these places in advance, usually a year in advance. And then I put the trip together. Then I have time to market it for the next year. Um, that's one of my favorite things is meeting the local people. And I think most people, you know, they it's about the locals because that's what makes the place different. And then uh, to bring my group back and share that with them and see it through their eyes, that's the payoff to me. So in speaking about these tours and all of this travel talk we've been having, which I absolutely love, I need to ask you, what are your upcoming destinations for your tours? What are those going to be looking like? And what are, what's a little taste of some of the things that you would do in each destination? Yeah, so I've got a uh, sold out trip to Colombia coming up. I don't know when this episode will happen, but uh, it could be uh, before the episode comes out. But I, I tend to do trips uh, uh, for several years. So this is the first year I'm doing Colombia. I will do it next year. So uh, that's a wonderful trip. Cartagena, Medellin, the coffee region, Cali. Uh, we do this one really cool experience that you know people probably wouldn't find, but it's it's riding something called La Brujita. And it, uh, it means the little witch. And it's... Uh, 
it's like a motorcycle with the back wheel on the track and the front wheel on a little platform that has benches on it. And it goes for about, I don't know, 20 minutes to a town called San Cipriano that you can pretty much only get to via La Brujita. And then it's on a river, there's swimming, there's great restaurants. It's so, you know, that's a that's a typical activity that we'll do. Coffee tasting, uh, rum tasting. We're going to do a rum tasting as well. Um, then I've got a trip to Apulia, Italy, which is the heel of Italy. And there we're staying at a private agriturismo, six-room place, which is my kind of place where we can kind of take the whole thing over. Uh, anywhere from six to 10 room boutique hotels. I like those. And there we're doing cheese tasting, cooking class, visiting the towns of Lecce. And, um, you know, the coastline there is just gorgeous. So uh, that's something there. Uh, I've got a uh, flavors of, por uh, no uh, excuse me, a taste of Northern Portugal is what I call this uh, trip. And that's to Porto, which is one of my favorite cities in Europe and the Dodo Valley. So we go to the wonderful city of Doro, or excuse me, of Porto, check everything out there. It's gorgeous, great food. And then we take a train ride about two, three hours out to the Doro Valley. And we stay at a wine estate there, wine tasting, river cruises, meeting locals, all that kind of stuff. And uh, in this summer, one of my uh, uh, even more unique trips is called uh, the Mysteries of Mexico's Copper Canyon. And that is a trip that I developed about 10, 12 years ago uh, in, I think it was 2011, I did an assignment to shoot the travel and cultural images for a cookbook on Mexican cuisine. It was a 35 day assignment. We went to like 40 different locations and I, um, one place we went to was Copper Canyon, Mexico. And it's bigger and deeper than the Grand Canyon and has one of the great train rides of the world right through it. It's the only passenger train in all of Mexico and almost no one's ever heard of it. And I had just heard of it before, but then when we went there on this cookbook assignment, uh, I was absolutely blown away. And I said, I want to bring a group back to this place because you also have the Tarahumara Indians who live there that many of them live in caves and cliff overhangs till this day. Uh, we have the train ride up and down the canyon. It's a full day train ride. It's not, not overnight, but it's about eight or 10 hours each way. So at the beginning of the trip, we take it to Creel. We um, do a lot of things there. Then we uh, go by land to Divisadero, where our hotel rooms are right on the canyon. You open your door to your balcony and you're looking at essentially the Grand Canyon, but it's the Copper Canyon. And then uh, we take the train back to Los Mochis. So that's a super unique trip. I love trains. And um, I'm so I'm really excited about that trip as well. Um, another trip is Armenia and Georgia, which is kind of an off the beaten path place as well. But it's uh, especially Georgia's sort really up and coming. And I was approached by someone at one of the travel shows that I was speaking at. And she saw all these places that I was going. I mentioned them. And she says, I see you don't do Armenia. Would you be interested in coming to Armenia for a scouting trip? And I said, yeah, I've always wanted to go, but I'd never had an opportunity. And so I said, while I'm there, I want to add Republic of Georgia, which is right next door. 
And so I put this trip together for two weeks and that's another absolutely fantastic place. Talk about just gorgeous scenery. I've, uh, Northern Georgia is like on the lines of Switzerland and with snow-capped mountains, stunning valleys. It's absolutely gorgeous. And the food is out of this world. And so, and then just to mention a couple, I've got uh, Vietnam and Cambodia, uh, two separate trips coming up at the end of the year. Wow, that's quite the um, quite the jam-packed schedule. So in you saying all of that, how many trips do you typically do per year? Because it sounds like you are always on the go. Yeah, I'm, uh, as you mentioned, I'm location independent. So I'm uh, intentionally homeless, I'll call it. But I, um, so I live on the road about nine months out of the year. I finally got smart. I was living in Southern California, one of the most expensive places in the world. And I said, I'm here three months out of the year. Why am I paying rent 12 months? And so I finally said, you know what? I'm going to get rid of the majority of my stuff. And uh, uh, so when I'm back in the States and I'm based in Chicago, I will stay with family, but otherwise I'm on the road. So to answer your question, typically about 10 to 12 group trips a year and maybe one or two, three scouting trips and of course i try to arrange things so that they're all in one region so like you know i've got the puglia italy uh portugal trip i've got a spain and a france trip that are all mid-april to early june so those are so i'll be gone for like a week a uh, month and a half two months and i'll just stay over there because i don't want to be flying back and forth so, uh, you know, jet lag is one of those things that uh, as you get older, it gets harder and harder. So I try to minimize that as much as possible. Yeah, that is definitely a good idea. Jet lag is never fun. So my last question for you, I actually want to go back to something that you mentioned closer to the beginning of the episode, which I thought was very interesting. And I do feel the same way in terms of travel. And it is what you mentioned that you burned your bridges, quote unquote, and kind of just left everything behind, but you did it very intentionally so that you really couldn't go back to it. So in saying that, I am curious, what is your advice when it comes to somebody who is looking to become a traveler, potentially a full-time traveler? Um, what advice would you give that person? Would you say, burning your bridges and just kind of going all out is the best way to go? Or what would you typically recommend? I know what I would recommend, but I'm curious uh, for your viewpoint, what take you have on this? Sure. And of course, it depends on the individual because um, I didn't have a family. I'm, you know, I'm not married. I don't have any children. So I've only got myself to be responsible for. Obviously, someone who's got a family or a spouse uh, has to think about them as well. So uh, being able to just burn bridges and, you know, financially, maybe take a few steps backwards, that depends on your financial situation and what you can afford uh, to do. But um, I and and what kind of personality type you are, because I I've always been a, a somewhat of a risk taker and, you know, I'm going to make this happen. And so I was, I was very, um, you know, fortunate to be able to do that. But when you burn the bridges and you say, you know, there's no going back, there's no fallback, you're going to find that you're probably going to, you know, work even harder to make that thing happen. <clears throat> um, certainly, 
certainly uh, dipping your toes in the in the waters of travel uh, makes sense. So you know, going for uh, a month or a month or two to a place and having somewhere to come back to, uh, uh, just testing it out if you haven't done it much before, trying it out and seeing where you want to be. Um, do, uh, now, like I said, we've got so much opportunity for research and whether it's podcasts or blogs or whatever it is that, um, you know, allows us to find out how other people experienced a certain thing or place. So uh, certainly doing research and uh, making sure that you're financially okay to do it. And then just going for it. I mean, you know, it's such a cliche, but go for it. And, uh, you know, as long as it, 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 travel doesn't, so many people think that it's, uh, it's, it's uh, dangerous to travel. Well, you know, unfortunately, we live in one of the most dangerous countries here in the US when you think about it and, you know, gun violence and things like that. So I don't buy that argument. But I do understand that people feel safer, you know, in an environment that they know, than to go to one that they don't know. Um, but to me, that's what travel is about. It's getting out of your comfort zone and going to places that are different because otherwise why go if they're the same? Yeah, I think that is very on point advice. Honestly, mine would not be too much different. I always like you encourage people who are thinking about having a similar lifestyle to what you and I lead um, to kind of dip your feet in, go for a week, go for a month, see if you can ask your boss to work remote. Um, but I think I'm very similar to you in the sense that I do kind of like the risk and the challenge. And if I know I want to do something and I am wholeheartedly in, I'm going to burn those bridges and it is going to happen one way or the other. And I find it usually doesn't happen the way that you planned it to. Um, I have found throughout my years of traveling that most things don't go according to plan, but there's always a reason as to why. And a lot of the time it works out better than what I had originally planned. You just really have to go with the flow. Absolutely. Being flexible, going with the flow, uh, knowing that things are not always going to be going smoothly and that that's part of the, the travel experience. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. That's all part of it. So do you have any last words, last thoughts, anything that you want to share before we wrap up this episode? Um, not, I don't think so, but uh, certainly people can find me at all my different websites. Uh, I've got several. So the uh, photoenrichment.com is for the photo enrichment adventures, alacampagna.com for the alacampagna experiences. And then my continentaldrifter.co is where you can find the Continental Drifter. That's sort of a hub for everything. And eventually I plan to get rid of the other two websites, make continentaldrifter.co be the everything where that you can find about me, YouTube channel, podcasts, everything else. Uh, and so, uh, and follow me on all the social media outlets. I'm at Ralph Velasco almost everywhere. And, uh, I'm sure you'll probably put some of these links in the show notes if you if you do that. But uh, yeah, I'd love if people followed along. If you have a question, you can email me, ralph at photoenrichment.com. And I will get back to you when I can. 
Yeah, absolutely. So all of the links are going to be down below. So if you want to check him out anywhere on the internet or everywhere on the internet, that will be down below. Thank you, Ralph, for being on the show, for sharing your experiences, what you do, how you sustain your lifestyle and how you have built a lifestyle that you absolutely love. That was yet another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know that this episode left me feeling ready to travel the world after hearing all of Ralph's amazing tour destinations. Feel free to check out all of his links below. All of his three business websites and pages are linked down below. Check him out, grab one of his tours, and have what sounds like the time of your life. You can always connect with me on Instagram at nomadneeks or any of the other social platforms at nomadneeks as well. And I would love to hear other topics that you would like to hear on future episodes of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. See you next time.